My name is Mark McGuinness, and this is the 21st Century Creative, the podcast that helps you thrive as a creative professional amid the demands, the distractions, and the opportunities of the 21st century. Welcome to episode 8. Today we are focusing on the flotation tank, otherwise known as a sensory deprivation tank, and the potential benefits for 21st century creatives. Floating is one of my enthusiasms. I've been doing it for years, and I found it tremendously beneficial for my personal and creative development. So I'm delighted to have a real expert on the subject as my guest this week. Nick Dunnin, founder of Beyond Rest, a company which operates flotation centres across three cities in Australia. Nick is on a mission to help people get in touch with their best selves via floating. He's also had a very unusual journey as an entrepreneur, and he has a lot of interesting things to say about personal development, creativity and business. So that's coming up in the interview. I had a wonderful day last weekend with the Impromptu Shakespeare Company at their acting workshop on how to improvise Shakespeare. Yes, you heard that right. The Impromptu Shakespeare Company specialise in improvised shows in the style of Shakespeare's plays, and I spent the day learning how to do it. As always with improv, it was a bit like walking a tightrope in that it's exciting and scary but also tremendous fun when in the moments where you start to get the hang of it. One of the really nice things about improv is that there's such a strong culture of supporting each other as performers. So even though most of us had never met before Saturday, we bonded very quickly and had a wonderful time playing games, making up stories and scenes, and even soliloquies on the spot. A particular highlight for me was a game where we had to practice speaking spontaneously in iambic pentameter. Now, I'm by no means a seasoned actor, and I don't think anyone who saw me would mistake my Shakespeare for the real thing, but there were a few magical moments when I and my fellow performers surprised ourselves by saying things that were unexpectedly funny or moving or even poetic. So if you're curious about this, I'd heartily recommend taking an improv class with the Impromptu Shakespeare Company or whoever else is running improv classes in your local area. And trust me, there probably is somewhere near to where you live. And if you get the chance, you should definitely go and see the Impromptu Shakespeare Company performing live. I saw their show a couple of days before I did the workshop, and they really did improvise an entirely new Shakespearean play out of thin air. And it was funny. It was entertaining. There was plenty of iambic rhythm. And there were more than a few moments of pathos and poetry. So thank you to Rebecca and Jen and the rest of the company for a wonderful experience. And if you want to experience it for yourself, go to impromptushakespeare.com. Today's theme is Go Faster by Slowing Down. The 21st century is a fast century, 
and it's getting faster all the time. One example is the stock market, where transactions are now happening so quickly that human traders are struggling to keep up, and more and more trades are being handed over to artificial intelligences, or AIs, which can process millions of bits of data in the blink of an eye. This can lead to unpredictable results, like the flash crash which happened in 2010 when automated trading algorithms caused the Dow Jones Index to fall by a thousand points in five minutes, wiping out a trillion dollars. Three minutes later, it bounced back again, and the trillion dollars magically reappeared. Human analysts are still scratching their heads and trying to work out exactly what happened. Closer to home, we're all familiar with the breathless feeling of having too many emails to answer, too much to do, too many incoming demands, and way too much information for us to ever get on top of it all. If we're not careful, we can end up on the digital hamster wheel, running faster and faster to stay in the same place, with an awful feeling we're falling further and further behind. Firstly, this is not good for our peace of mind. It can lead to serious anxiety problems. In my former life as a psychotherapist, I even came across clients who had become physically ill from feeling trapped on the hamster wheel of unsustainable pressure. Secondly, the hamster wheel is not good for our creativity. Creating great work requires time and focus. Learning the skills of creating or performing great work require time and focus. There are no shortcuts to the muse. So, for a creative professional, too much speed and too little focus can be a career-threatening condition. If you're going to succeed in this high-speed century, as well as keeping up with things, you need to know how to slow right down. There are several ways you can do this. Firstly, think about your surroundings. This was one reason we moved away from London last year to the West Country. Now, I can walk out of my house and up the hill, and I can see all the hills and valleys spread out around us with clouds and rain and sunshine coming and going across this vast landscape. When I go back to London, everyone seems to be in such a hurry, and they all look so stressed, which tells me I must have slowed down quite a lot since I left. Even if you live in a big city, there are places you can go. Parks, cafes, libraries, squares, spas, places of worship that have been purpose-designed to give you some respite from the crowds. So take advantage of them. Slowing down doesn't need to be a complicated practice. It's about stopping and smelling the roses, walking the dog, mowing the lawn, washing the dishes, a long meal with friends, a lazy day with the family. Even on a Monday morning, who says that real work means being busy? For me, writing poetry is a slow process. Writing and rewriting drafts over weeks, months, even years before I've finished the poem as well as I can. But this isn't a problem. The writing is its own reward. Whatever your creative discipline, you probably have a similar experience of your creative work, at least when things are going well and you're not procrastinating. 
It becomes a time of clarity and concentration, something you look forward to, a release from the hamster wheel. Part of my job as a coach is to be the slowest person my client meets all week. I need to be able to listen intently for two hours at a time or even longer. I sometimes spend the whole day or even a whole week with a client, being present to their experience and opening up new levels of the conversation. This helps them to slow down and see things in perspective. They start noticing things they were missing when they were rushing about. They get in touch with feelings, intuitions, hunches and nudges from their muse or their creative unconscious or whatever they like to call it. Again, if you're in a service profession where you can have a profound impact on your clients, you probably find you do your best work at your slowest. Outside of work, the most powerful approach to slowing down comes from the 6th century BC in the meditation practices taught by the Buddha and handed down over generations of practitioners. The first time I went on a retreat at a Buddhist monastery was an amazing experience. This was back in the 90s, when the internet hadn't really got its teeth into my life, but even then, it was astonishing to sit still for hours on end and become aware of how fast my mind was racing and how out of control my thoughts and feelings were. The first couple of days were absolutely excruciating. I would sit there on the mat, wanting to get up and rush off somewhere to do something to get some relief from all these thoughts and worries and fleeting ideas that were zooming through my mind. But after two or three days, things started to slow right down. I could experience my thoughts, feelings and sensations arising and fading away. It was like watching sediments sink slowly to the bottom of a glass, leaving the water clear and shining. And out of that clarity would come powerful insights, some of which were life-changing for me. Unlike the monks and the nuns, I didn't have the staying power to spend my whole life in the monastery. But every morning before I start work, I spend 30 minutes just sitting, watching my mind, allowing the sediment to settle a little, so I can see more clearly before I get going. If you're tempted to try a meditation retreat, it can be a wonderful experience. An alternative is to join a local group where you can practice once or twice a week with the support of the group and maybe a teacher. If you want to try practicing on your own, a great book to start with is Meditation Now or Never by Steve Hagen, who's a Zen priest in Minneapolis. It's a very down-to-earth, practical, non-dogmatic book. So even if you're a follower of another religion, or you're not into religion at all, I think you'll find it a very accessible book. If you're struggling to practice meditation on your own, you might like to try an app like Headspace or Buddhify, which has guided meditations for all kinds of situations, like staying mindful on your commute, or decompressing after a stressful day. So, that's meditation. Another of my favorite ways to slow down is inside a flotation tank, otherwise known as a sensory deprivation tank. It's so powerful and slows me down so quickly, 
I call it microwave meditation. After one hour in the tank, I'm in a similar state to the way I feel after two days on a silent retreat. And this week, we're going to do a deep dive, if you'll pardon the pun, on flotation tanks with my guest Nick Dunnin. So, if you're curious about flotation tanks, keep listening. Meanwhile, here's a suggestion for you to try this week. Take some time off, in a quiet spot, to think about the speed of your life and where and when you'd like to slow things down a little. Pick one or two things you can do, or stop doing, each day or each week that will help you bring a little more slowness and sanity into your life. Don't worry that you'll somehow lose all your productivity at work or get left behind. Those thoughts are normal. They're just trying to get you to follow the crowd. Practice slowing down for a month, and you may be surprised how much more creative you become and how much faster you move forward on the things that really matter. One of the themes I keep returning to in this podcast is the idea that the times we're living in are a two-edged sword. On the one hand, we're living in an age of unprecedented creative stimulation via the internet, social media, accelerating technology, and an always-on working culture. And on the other hand, we're living in an age of unprecedented distraction from focused creative work from all the same sources. And the biggest concern for many creatives is a nagging sense that their most important work is being left undone. If you're excited by the opportunities of the creative age, but worried about the effect of all those digital distractions on your creativity, then I've written a book for you. Productivity for Creative People. It's a short, practical guide to getting creative work done in the 21st century, based on my own experience as a writer, creative entrepreneur, and father. All the ideas in the book have been road-tested in my coaching practice with creative professionals like you. So, if you want to create extraordinary work without necessarily disappearing to a cabin in the woods or even giving up your smartphone, check out Productivity for Creative People at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash productivity. That's 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash productivity. This week, we're exploring what a flotation tank can do for your personal and creative development. It's a topic that's close to my heart, having floated many times over the years, and I've found it tremendously beneficial. Our guide is Nick Dunnin, the co-founder, with his brother Ben, of Beyond Rest, a company operating eight flotation centres across Australia, in Perth, Melbourne and Brisbane. I first met Nick nearly four years ago, when he was a coaching client of mine for a few months. He told me an extraordinary story about his own journey, including a career as a professional Aussie rules football player, an entrepreneur with companies online and in India, and a powerful sense of purpose around his current business, Flotation Tanks. Nick says that floating brought about a tremendous shift in his own state of being. In his own words, 
he went from being, quote, a strong alpha male with numerous addictions and no direction, to having a purpose-driven, passion-filled vision of raising consciousness, assisting people to wake up and take back their power from the system. That vision led to the foundation of Beyond Rest, where he and Ben provide their customers with float tanks in a setting conducive to making the most of the experience. Before we plunge into the interview, I guess I should start by explaining exactly what a flotation tank is. It can either be a big fiberglass pod or a small room, with a few inches of water at body temperature saturated with Epsom salts. The salts mean that when you enter the tank and lie back on the water, you float. You can turn the lights off and use earplugs to drown out any noise. So you're floating in darkness and silence. And because the water is at body temperature, after a few minutes, you don't really feel it. So it almost feels like you're floating in space. Once you settle into the float, you find your muscles relaxing to a degree you've probably never experienced before, except maybe in the womb. But the benefits are mental and emotional as much as physical. Floating is a great way to reduce stress and anxiety, and people typically report feeling calmer and having more mental clarity after floating for about an hour. Floating has helped people achieve peak performance in fields as diverse as creative problem-solving, artistic performance such as acting or stand-up, playing professional sports, and military training. I've personally found floating really useful in dealing with the stresses of running my own business, in my creative writing, also in preparing for important live presentations. I'll usually float the day before, or um, if I'm getting on a plane, then obviously the day before I fly. But it just helps me get that clarity and focus that I'm looking for when I step out on a stage. So Nick has a lot of experience of float tanks, and I asked him if he would share his thoughts on what floating can offer creative professionals like us, and he generously agreed. Now, one thing I should mention before we start the interview Floating can be a powerful experience, and most people find it very positive and rewarding from the outset. But obviously, if you're suffering from a mental health issue, or if you've recently gone through some particularly stressful events, it makes sense to consult a health professional such as your doctor or a psychotherapist before you float for the first time. And if you have any concerns at all about floating, talk to the staff at your local float centre. They should be able to answer your questions and help you have the best possible experience of floating. Nick, you've had an unusual career by anyone's standards. You've been a professional Aussie rules football player and a serial entrepreneur launching companies online and in India as well as your native Australia. Now, you and your brother Ben are the founders of Beyond Rest, which has flotation tank centres in three different cities across Australia. When you look back at your career, do you see a common thread in the things that you've done? Or do you look at your life now as more of a big break with the past? I definitely see uh, it all connected there, Mark, in terms of where I've gone from, from being in the sketchy adult industry in my early 20s online 
um, to to then going into India and building, you know, a large online marketing sweatshop. You know, you could really say there, and everything was just really aligned with making money. And and you know, I, I've had a lot of realizations from that. Uh, then moving into where we are currently now with float tanks, and I just everything within my life was just yearning for purpose, and ultimately. I had huge successes and huge failures, huge successes and huge failures. So it went up and down like a like a seesaw, and ultimately, I came to the conclusion that there's ultimately no purpose in in what I did whatsoever from there. So from you know just chasing opportunities from a, a monetary point of view, um, where there was no mission whatsoever tied to that, ultimately left me feeling hollow, and leading me down the path of having huge uh, you know, aggression problems to drug addiction problems, alcohol problems, womanizing problems. You know, all the all on the list there from that from that point of view. So, and from that, um, you know, when when I discovered float tanks, you know, there there became the opportunity for myself to look at um, life in a little bit of a different way within and reassess things within, and then from there allow that to flow out into um, creating the float tank business and and something that you know really can help people and you mentioned huge successes and huge failures so maybe to put us in the picture a little bit could you give us an example of a huge success and a, a huge failure from your past experience yeah so I, I think in my early 20s my first ever business when we were doing adult affiliate websites where we would be ranking Let's say there was five hundred thousand different keywords in Google, so to speak, around adult different terms. We were ranking, uh, you know, three or four of those in the in the top ten in the major search engines um, for each each one, which ultimately led to a business where you know we we were doing millions in profit a year. And in my early twenties, that was you know quite a successful thing. Um, to ultimately, you know, failure where. Ended up in India, where we built a built an online marketing service company, really, um, an on, online SEO service business, and then built that up from zero to four hundred employees in a year, to then ultimately uh, wanting to get thrown in jail in India um, with some with some issues that we had with different different people there, um, and then ultimately that just falling over. So yeah, huge huge failure, I guess you could you could look at it from that point of view. Right. So, I mean, in your early 20s, you're making millions of dollars and you go from that high to finding yourself faced with prison in India. So what I think people are going to get from this is you live life on a, a big scale. Yeah, You've achieved things in the external world that maybe many people are not going to experience. And you've also had lows that a lot of people are maybe going to be thankful that they won't experience either. But now you've got a sense of a big change in your life in the sense that you've gone from being so focused on the externals and you're building a great business, but it's also focused on the inner life, on the flotation tanks. I mean, maybe you could say a bit about how you discovered float tanks in the first place. Yeah. So I discovered uh, float tanks at a marketing conference in San Diego back in 2008. And I was at this conference and as people are at conferences, there was a few thousand people there and everyone who was up on stage obviously, you know, had the audience captivated and all their attention and everyone's in love with those people that are generally up on stage. And I kept seeing the the people that are up on stage. I was down the back and 
kept going and talking to a guy just near me. And, you know, when they were talking to him, they were in awe of him. It was quite a funny juxtaposition, really, with everyone in that room in awe of them. And then these guys, when in conversation, seemed to be so in awe of this guy. And he seemed pretty just low-key um, looking guy. And after a while, I just, I said, hey, what are you, what are you doing with yourself? And, and, then, and then went on to, why, why are these guys so captivated about you? What is it about you? And he said, one, I'm highly neuro-linguistic neuro programming trained, NLP, understanding the mind and how it all works. And, and two, I float every day. And I was, well, what, what's floating? So from there, I floated. I'm, I'm quite a tall guy, almost six, seven, um, and then trying to fit into a, in an old metal coffin tank. It was actually a bit of a squeeze for myself <laughs> to get in there in the beginning and just sitting there and docking around my head and head, head and feet hitting, you know, the, the sides. It was like I was squeezed in there and, you know, floating. It just felt a bit of a weird experience and couldn't understand why people would do it. I had no concept of meditation or yoga or anything like that back then and could just, yeah, and just thought, okay, well, this is a bit different. Maybe I'll come across something different because the way this guy had explained it to me, he'd had some pretty profound experiences in there. So I was thinking I might open up a new dimension, not knowing too much about the spiritual sides of things back then or the inner world or whatever you want to call it, um, just knew that, oh, I don't want to open up a dark side within myself, which a lot of people have a fear, fear about when they get into the tank that they're going to open up some dark side of them. And uh, you could say I probably had that fear going into the first first experience I had, not knowing much about it, and there was really nothing on the internet, a lot on the internet about it back then either. And yeah, so experienced it, didn't think too much of it, partied like hell that night, and then the next day just felt really good in the hotel room, just felt amazing. I wrote down the business plan for the actual float business then. And, um, yeah, instead of just lying in my bed and ordering the pizza and not moving, yeah, it was actually really productive and just found myself working all day and all night on actually laying out the float tank business plan. And, um, yeah, it was just something I was like, wow, I'm feeling so awesome and it must be due to the, the float tank experience. And from that ultimately then led to, um, yeah, it took me a few years down the track until, you know, I saw someone sent me, uh, you know, a funny YouTube video of a float tank and a guy off his head or something in the in the tank, and I just knew it was time to move forward, um, you know, with with this opportunity. But yeah, from that initial experience and 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 having awe, um, you know, of that guy who I was very much in awe of, and had a bit of communication with him back and forth from there. Um, yeah, it just led me to to go down the path that there is the potential with this tool, but I just knew that there was something about the float experience that can that can really enhance you know something within you to to be the best you possibly can can be really without saying sounding too cliche on that so i'm really curious about this and it chimes in a bit with my experience that you were a bit disappointed with the initial float you know, the float experience itself didn't really amaze you you didn't have this blissful experience but it was the next day that you had this sounds like a big insight or flood of creativity you know and i've you know sometimes i have amazing floats other times i'm like you know in there and feeling kind of grumpy or crotchety or anxious or whatever but very often it's the effect afterwards that is more significant than the actual float so is is that a pattern that you've seen quite a lot yeah 100% it's it's a huge pattern and if i had to bottle it up it would 
you know, one word that most people use from their experience the next day or the following days is clarity. And yeah. there's just something yeah. about that the float experience gives you with a deep night's sleep. So your body being absorbed by all that magnesium in the float tank. Um, so it's filled full of 500 kilograms of Epsom salt. The water's heated to your body temperature, air's heated to your body temperature, you know, after a period of time. Um, and then it's completely dark and silent, um, depending on the soundproofing of the, the float center. But most of the time it's, um, you know, a very quiet experience and all you can hear is just your heartbeat. But when you're, when you're in there floating due to the 500 kilograms of Epsom salt, that's, which is magnesium-based, having that absorbed through your body uh, is one of the keys to sleeping is magnesium absorption. And we don't absorb it as well through, you know, our, through our stomach taking magnesium pills, but magnesium topically absorbed through your body is, is a major factor to sleep. And so with that um, along, alongside with your brainwave lowering from a high beta frequency, which is our busy mind when we're thinking about all sorts of things, answering emails, texts, switching between 45 chrome tabs. You know, we're in a high beta frequency. Uh, and when we're completely in that half awake asleep, just before you go into sleep, we get into this theta frequency, which babies generally um, uh, are in that frequency constantly. And there's also another frequency aligned with um, levels of learning as well. So there's... So lowering your brain into a theta wave frequency, um, your left and your right hemisphere aligning within the tank in that experience. Um, and also a, a huge one is your cortisol, um, you know, reducing, which is aligned with stress. Um, that actually reducing and along with the theta waves and the magnesium, I see that as a big ball of goodness, which just seems to lead to the equal that clarity of mind that most people report the following day. So... A lot of people focus on the experience and trying to get these amazing aha experiences in there, which, you know, don't get me wrong, you can have them. Uh, but, but generally, you know, where I see high um, a lot of athletes, a lot of, um, you know, high-level creatives like comedians or writers or um, people in TV, actors uh, like to float before, you know, a performance or, or a major event the next day. And there's and there's something to be said about you know when I when I when I interview them and, and talk to them that you know there's a huge huge um, difference in terms of they're not overthinking their game. So I'm I'm just thinking of a few footballers that I know in Australia that you know very top level footballers actually um, that that float religiously the night before the game and ultimately because they actually feel. On, on game day, they're not rushing the game through their head. They haven't burnt all this mental energy by the time they're out there. They're relaxed and they've got more energy when they're, when they're running around and they're not thinking of a, a thousand different things when they're in the game. And the same can be aligned with whatever you're doing on a computer or tr trying to write or, or whatever it may be that you're just there you know, in the moment and, and not too worried about many other things um, and that's another thing that, that happens with people as well is that they may go in worried about something and then when you come out, you're not so worried about that particular issue yeah. at all, if at all. Um, and you can pretty much laugh off why you were so crazy and mad almost <laughs> before getting <laughs> in there. So there's two big benefits that are standing out for me here from a creative point of view. One is the the insight, the clarity about creating something like you sitting down and writing your business plan or 
Um, I've certainly had this in terms of writing. You know, the next the day after a float is a lot easier to write something creatively because I've got that that clarity and flow. And also in terms of performance, you've said whether that's a sports performance, if you're a professional athlete, or if you're a, a comedian or a, a singer or another kind of performer, that it, it can again it, it it's it's helping you stay in the moment and get less caught up in your own kind of mental muddle. So back to you, the day after your float, you had the idea for the float tank business. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's what came to me. Tell us about that. What was the vision? What was the purpose behind what's now Beyond Rest? Yeah, it was at the time, it, it felt that there was something profound about the float experience that I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Just knowing that people had had these experiences. So talking to the guy that introduced me to to the float tank and him telling me about other people's experiences and, you know, what was there that was it's like a gateway to another dimension on one side that really pulled me into to explore your inner world and really peel back the layers and the onions of yourself if you wanted to go down that path and then the other side of just how great i felt and at that time being someone that only understood the best way to solve your your issues was escape through the bottle or before that drugs um, and so for me, it was a, an interesting insight um, that I could actually feel really good and not be too worried about all these other things that I was really worried about deep down from a subconscious to a conscious level about social issues or dramas and, and at that particular point in time, just didn't care about anything um, but writing that, writing that business plan. And yeah, and, and then from that, it, it was... It, it then it then led into subsequent floats to then having the more aha moments um, within the tank about wow there's something about that I was getting reconnected to my true self and that's ultimately what we see as the ultimate purpose and the purpose that you know aligned me to move down the float tank business is that you look at the you look at the current state of affairs and and, and the way the world is at the moment um, you know when from the economy to the environment, um, you know, and you can just keep going along the list of the, you know, the corporates, you know, the powers that be that are in power and, and looking at that a lot of people are almost, you know, plugged into this system and this way of life that doesn't seem quite right, um, that doesn't, doesn't feel right really deep down when you really ponder it. And there's something about the flood experience can get you disconnected and pull you out of that and get people in touch with their intuition for the first time, as it was for me. And for the first time, I was like, wow, there's almost like a new knowledge base outside of my head that's running around crazy going through a thousand different directions. The parasite of the mind is of many people, you know, have called it over, over the years. And, and, and from that being disconnected from the mental chatter to actually feeling you know, intuitive insights that you're connected to something within that you haven't been connected to before. And, and looking at all the problems in the world, if you're getting more people aligned with their intuition and then going off and doing whatever they want to do within the world that's really true to themselves rather than not true to themselves, looking at the biggest regret of the dying is that 75% of people say before they die that they wished a lot, they wish they lived a life that was true to themselves and not, and not what others wanted to do. And that's ultimately, I feel, is one of the biggest issues really on the planet is that most 
most people, you know, have been pushed through society, family pressures, whatever it may be, to to go down a particular path that really wasn't, but really wasn't true to themselves. And and I feel that the float tank is that first stepping stone for people to discover their intuition. And from there, they can go off and do their own yoga or meditation, you know, whatever whatever their particular path is. Um, to actually, you know, reconnect, you know, with who they really are, singing, dancing, um, but that's that's what I feel ultimately um, floating does. It's, it's one of these tools that's been around for 50, 50 60 years. Originally, was in you know, a science lab, you know, in the in in the US or in Hawaii. It might have been by John C. Lilly, Dr. John C. Lilly, and you know, back then he was using the float tanks to, to discover what is reality, what, what makes up the mind. And um, from that, you know, led him to actually, um, you know, do a lot of discoveries and, uh, and a lot of analysis of the different areas and dimensions that we can go within through, through the mind in the tank. Um, so, so looking at the trajectory from the last 50 or 60 years, it, it's really coming out right now and it's interesting with the the general awakening of people you can call the awakening and define it any way you like but ultimately awakening you know i see awakening as people just connecting within and just understanding what's true to themselves more than anything you can throw any other woo woo around around on, on top of that which is great it's all it all has its all has its merit but ultimately connecting to their true source and what they really want to do and not fall into that 75 percent of those you know regretting people those, those people regretting on their deathbeds of what they didn't do and ultimately when the, we have more people connected to that the more people that really can can make the, the world a better place if they really live in their path as opposed to what society or the system you know forces them to live in so really the mission is to combat that huge regret that so many of us have at the end of our lives. You know, I wish I'd done something that was truer to myself. And the tank, as you're describing it, is a way for us to switch off from the external stuff and the busy mind and get in touch with what's truly important to us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm curious, what made you say, I'm going to do this? I'm going to be the one to bring this to the world. I'm going to bring it to as many people as I can through my centers. Because lots of people float without setting up a whole network of float centers. Mm, very interesting question. Um, I, would, I would say it, it's obviously something tied to my drive. I guess if I look at you know my previous business experience from, from having online businesses, uh, in my early 20s to um, being connected to a guy that says, let's make a billion dollars. And before I knew it, I was working in India with 400 employees, not knowing what, what was going on. <laughs> um, that always had a drive to basically grow things. And I could grow things things really quickly. And in this case, I'm not actually growing it that quickly. It's actually a more steady, steady growth. But mm-hmm. it's just looking at my path and, you know, I see that, I can see the activism in in business and there's something tied to applying the business skills and marketing skills and 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 looking at that side and then looking at where where the world can you know be improved and I just saw that the float tank in a way I was deep down knew that I'd be involved in something regarding some form of activism in some kind and you know I, I see float tanks and the float tank businesses one of the best forms of activism out there and if you can change the way that people really are in tune with you know um 
in tune with what what they want to do as a person as opposed to what society societal pressures or you know the system whatever you want to call it you know um leads them to go down uh that then there's a lot of opportunity for the you know for the planet to to go in the direction that you know that will serve serve the you know serve the planet serve the animals serve um the human race in that regard so yeah that that that's that's quite a a strong feel for me is the the floating and activism tie there Mm. and it to me it seems like a really wonderfully creative form of an open-ended form of activism because a lot of of activists are very focused on a particular goal and trying to persuade people to do this or not do that and clearly that you know that can have huge benefits depending on what the goal is but what i love about yours is you're saying well my activism is helping you find your activism or your creativity or your mission but you're not defining that for them you're you're kind of trusting human nature i guess that there is something fundamentally creative and purpose driven inside us and that if you can just help people get in touch with that yeah definitely definitely there's this there's that's actually on our on our internal mission statement that we're we're reconnecting people to their true selves and a life of purpose and you know finding their purpose their mission um is something that's yeah so ingrained and so in tune with what we do and and it really does connect and we have some great community and and people that work with me um you know in in, in this regard, so I'm not solely by myself, but there's something to be said about having a strong mission within business that really does align everyone um, to go on to go on a path, and and that I believe has been a major factor for the success of you know why we've done so well um, as a business, you know, compared to let's say some other people that might have opened up a float tank because it was a fad and put a few float tanks in a room. Um, versus actually us just being really tied to to the energy of um, what what this particular modality can do for people, you know, to 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 reconnect to their to their life of purpose, and, and then whatever direction that they go in, it's all for the betterment of uh, other people on the planet. Right, which is a great reason to get up in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Okay, suppose somebody's listening to this and they're curious. They've never floated before and never maybe even considered it. And they're thinking, okay, well, this sounds really amazing. It, it sounds potentially very exciting. But maybe I'm also a little bit hesitant, particularly because I've heard you describe being in this old tank that you were in that wasn't quite big enough. Can you just talk us through a little bit of what to expect from the practicalities of floating? I mean, will I be claustrophobic? Will it be too small? All of that kind of stuff. So I, I guess firstly, there's a few different um, tanks. So the one that I originally went into was the old traditional metal coffin, which some people love. The old school people love, you know, are very tied to that. But it's obviously a lot more confined. And actually, I had I had claustrophobia issues. So that's a really good point. That it, it was something that was freaking me out um, very much because when I was younger, my older brother locked me in a double base case as a kid and left me out in the sun just for a few hours just for a laugh and uh, that kind of messed me up a little bit so um you know in that regards i couldn't handle going in caves and mri machines and all those kind of things so yeah it was something that i just knew i had to do and and i just you know went through that fear of claustrophobia and a lot of people have got over that fear of claustrophobia but 
going back to the different types of tanks, you have the the metal, you know, I hate to say the metal coffin, but the small little metal box, or you've got like uh, big rooms where people can float in, or you have the pods. There's different size pods. Some are smaller, some are larger. Uh, you know, in particular, the, the pods that we went for, the isopod was one of the largest pods in, on on the market. So that was why we liked, you know, that and sleek looking. But ultimately, you're either jumping into a pod, jumping in, going into a room. Some rooms are really big. Some rooms are really small where, you know, four feet wide, eight feet uh, high, or some could be, you know, 16 feet wide, eight foot high in a room where you're just floating within there. Um, and, yeah, some will allow you to, a good trick if, you, if you're really worried about the claustrophobia is just get in a towel, a little hand towel, and just jam in it in between the door. When you get in, it'll allow a little bit of air to come in so it won't be that ideal air temperature to let you, you know, lose track of your body because ultimately when you're in the tank, you want to lose track of all your external senses. And the way that you do that is obviously the, the temperature and the, the water are fairly consistent and even then you, you lose that sense of um, you know, being in a body and you have that weightless feeling while you're in the tank. Um, but I guess ultimately, you know, that, that is the ultimate thing is to expect nothing and, you know, forget everything you've listened to probably on this podcast or then read subsequently from this and just go in there expecting nothing. And that ultimately is one of the best ways that you can get the best experience and just know that you're going in there to float in a ball of darkness for an hour, just doing nothing and nothing will yeah. probably happen and you'll just be in nothing, but there's something great that comes from being in nothing. Yeah. I mean, and just on the, the claustrophobia point, I mean, I'm not particularly comfortable in small enclosed spaces. I had to have an MRI scan on my knee a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't particularly didn't particularly enjoy being inside that machine, but I've never, ever had an issue with claustrophobia when floating. I mean, the, even the smallest pods I've been in, they're, they're pretty big these days. And, you know, you, you're in control. You can open the door, you can turn the light on, and you can get out of it if you want to. But personally, I've always felt there's plenty of room in there. And I've never had an issue with, um, you know, feeling cramped or, or, or squashed in. Um, I also should say I'm not six foot seven, so. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think most people, yeah, well, yeah, in, in terms of that, it's a really good point is that, yeah, I didn't actually go into that, that most people when they really kind of settle down and they're able to just go, okay, I'm in control, I'm not locked in this, and that's probably the, the biggest fear that I see from people and you hit the nail on the head there really is that mm -hmm. most people feel that I'm going to be locked in like a horror movie and then they're in trouble and have a panic attack, whereas ultimately if you just leave the leave the towel, if that's your fear, slightly ajar um, or, or just actually know that you can get in and out, turn the light on exactly as you say, then there's then there's not a problem with that. But most people, and we've seen people, you know, overcome their issues of claustrophobia. I know personally, I know most people say they've got claustrophobia issues, but really statistically it's not really backed up. <laughs> but I think most people just have that funny fear in the beginning mm -hmm. maybe of the unknown and it really is the unknown of going in there and doing nothing and what that could open up. So I think there's a subconscious fear underlying that. Um, claustrophobia fear that many people have and ultimately yeah. really confronting themselves on what's going on in their life and you have nowhere really to hide in that regards where you're, where you're going through. It's like a movie of your life. You're going through all these different things that you've done or you haven't done 
and ultimately it's for you to kind of really be in that place. And if there's something hectic going on in your life, it, it, it sometimes can intensify that while you're in there, however allow you to process it. Um, but then a lot of people may not want to confront that or deal with that while they're in there and it becomes highly uncomfortable and they just can't sit with that, whereas a lot of people can process that and really get a lot of benefit from that as well. Yeah, obviously, you know, as a former psychotherapist, I, sh- I guess we should say that if anyone's experiencing major psychological issues or, you know, challenges in their life, then it's probably only sensible in that case to speak to a therapist or mm. maybe get some grounding in a meditation practice before you go in. But I think for most of where we're at, particularly, I think the busyness, you know, and the, the kind of digital brain frazzle that a lot of us have, I think it's just a wonderful antidote to get in. And it's really hard to describe, but when you come out the other side, it, to me, it's almost like my my somebody has just turned off the volume in my brain. You know, everything is, is so clear and, and calm. And very often I'll come out and I'll just sit in the armchair in the reception for about half an hour, 45 minutes, not even wanting to go near my phone, not wanting to talk to anybody, just sitting there and being present the way we're kind of supposed to be doing when we sit down and practice meditation and find ourselves all fidgety you know i sometimes call floating microwave meditation because after an hour in the tank i find myself in a state that i've only really experienced after maybe a couple of days on a silent meditation retreat of just real calmness and clarity so you know i know we've We've touched on fears and, and anxieties, but really, I think for most people, the experience is overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think we're just focused on that that side of thing that you know some people can have that have those concerns, but majority of people, and and we can just look at that through our own internal surveys and analysis of people coming through, um, is ultimately positive. And and not everyone may crack it the first time. Um, and some people some people can reach nirvana within five minutes in there you can hear those stories if if they choose to share it uh then 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 other people um you know it may take them two or three times to actually you know fully relax in there and then for some people you know uh, i know one particular person that they floated a hundred times and for them they finally got to a point where they actually reached you know a really deep meditation within there and but from that talking about the original major benefit of it like the experience alone is one is one side but actually defrazzling your brain really and then ultimately feeling calm and content with everything that's going on with your life and you know without without actually kind of verbalizing the word gratitude it was there's a deep underlying gratitude with just where you're at with everything and um yeah ultimately getting some big benefit from that I think that's a really good point about the cumulative benefit of floating because the times when I've been floating regularly once or twice a month are the times when I've got the most benefit from it because you you kind of relax into the experience. And I think this is why a lot of centers will offer, you know, an introductory package of maybe two or three floats together. And that very often the first one, you're, you're kind of getting used to the experience. And then the second one, you're a bit more relaxed. By the time you get to your third or fourth float, you've really relaxed into it. And it's, it's much easier to, to kind of go with the flow. Okay, Nick, you see a lot of people through your doors. You know, you've spoken to a lot of people about the floating experience, not just, this isn't just based on your own experiences. What are some of the 
biggest benefits that you hear from people about their experience of floating? Uh, the biggest benefits I would have to say is the the stress reduction um, is ultimately the the number one that that people come in from that point of view. Um, when you look at it from a longevity, so I guess there's two two sides, two answers to that question. You have the the benefit, the short term benefit, or the long term benefit. So. So when you look at the short-term benefits, you, you have the stress reduction, you have pain reduction, uh, muscle pain reduction when you, you're taking all the pressure off your body. So as we're walking around, there's thousands of pounds of pressure actually in all our body and joints as we're walking around and that, that pressure is completely relieved while, while you're in the tank while you're in the tank floating in there, allowing all your muscles and joints you know, to fully relax and being absorbed through that magnesium. So we found that there's been a lot of people that have huge um, pain issues where they're taking lots of medication, where they've gone from literally taking you know, 10 to 12 different meds to actually none um, through floating regularly. And, and, and on a side note there, they had to actually continue floating because when they stopped floating, then they found that the pain... Um, you know, continued. However, over a long period of time, that they could go longer and longer without floating, uh, longer gaps um, rather than those shorter gaps in the in the beginning. So shorter gaps meaning they, if they, flo- they hadn't floated for a week, they'd feel some pain. Whereas now they can float after a year or two, you know, once a month and, and not have that pain um, that they used to. But you know, stress reduction, improved creative creativity. Um, problem solving within the tank so they're the the shorter term benefits the longer term benefits is ultimately being more reconnected to who they truly are and what they truly wanted to do within even if they didn't even know what that was um you know pulling themselves away from the bad distractions or bad habits that they may have had within their life to ultimately going down a path of actually trying to to really be um, rather than actually be in this constant doing mode and actually just being more present throughout their day. And, and, and we've seen lots of people, you know, some funny ones, especially in Australia where you've got the, the big, hardcore, tough Australian, you know, miner. And in Perth in particular in our city there, it was, it was a city run quite strongly from the, a lot of mines in the area. So there would be a lot of miners in their downtime. They'd fly back to Perth for a week and all cashed up and have a lot of money and that would come in and, you know, because it was something to do and um, or they've been told they've been told about it and, yeah, we'd get these big tough guys and then after a period of time, you know, you see them float over a period of months, you see a slight change and then after, you know, they may go off and do something, you may not see them again for six months and then you see them come back and that, that same big tough guy walking in with a... With a with a chalk milk and a big sausage roll to to walking in with his yoga mat and his yoga tights kind of thing <laughs> and you're just like what has happened here? This is something out of the yeah, um, the Matrix or something. But yeah, it, it's definitely <laughs> definitely a different a different look. Um, you know when you see people change in the directions that they go and 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 if the, you could really bottle it, you you do get that sense of you know the fear that they would have about what other people would think about mm-hmm. them is gone. Yeah. And when we talk about living your purpose and being who you truly want to be, with that comes with detaching from certain friend groups and, and social groups 
that you know really are pulling you into that to that life that you really want to escape from and you may not even know that you need to escape from it until you get into the tank and then over a period of time there's something about that assessment that you go through within your life while you're in there you have lots of times of nothingness and and all of that but then there's a lot of time of reflection and insight um, about yourself and you know when when you look at the ultimate benefit the the long-term benefit that is in excellent and you also get a number of creative performers and artists mm. and writers and people that through the doors what kind of things do you hear from them yeah there's what we what we hear from more the creative types is the when external and, and and there's been a bit of science research around that when we look at creativity and why is creativity improved in the float tank it's you know when you have the external external distractions removed um from you then uh, there there allows you to actually have different cognitive functions within within the brain so when you've got no body um when you look at your central nervous system 90 percent of your brain is controlling the central nervous system and when that comes out of play when you're in floating you actually have a lot more um you know power going on there within the brain to actually to function and look at things from a different point of view when you look at downtime everyone knows the, the albert einstein stories of when he got his best ideas or when he was shaving um, and just having that downtime and, and really relaxing the brain and not actually thinking about what you're trying to do. Sure, you, um, some people actually, I've heard this is a common one as well between some high creative types is that going with the intention that, okay, I want to go in and solve this particular problem, whatever it may be. Um, right, right. I want to write a chapter or I want to, you know, I need to write, you know, a bit for my comedy script or whatever it may be and and then i want to write it but then i want to release from it i want to just let it go you know let it completely go so that combination of the, i want to solve this but then i want to let it go and then something within that allows them to to come up and you, you know you can just see by their activity post float you know writing or or, or just telling you what they've actually done post that is there's something to that as well and going into the theta wave frequency, you know, the high, you know, one of the highest learning states there is that is found within babies, as I might have mentioned earlier. Um, that's another factor that, that happens when we're in our beta frequency, in our busy mind, you know, we're not able to, to be as creative or we're not able to actually really be in tune with um, what really, you know, those insights that we're looking for and that, that's actually found within the theta frequency. And there's also, been a lot of um a lot of you know scientific you know uh discussion around the left and the right hemisphere within the float tank and the right hemisphere coming into play so that combination of the external distractions your downtime yeah uh, the theta wave frequency and right hemisphere aligning from a from a bodily function point of view allowing people to have those insights and 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 from those insights that that they get it, a lot of it is if you go in with an intention. I know this for myself that a lot of problem solving I've done within the business and and in other businesses before I actually was in the float business, just using the float tank to solve other things within my life and who came, you know, people within my life and certain problems that when I went in with that intention, I always came out with an answer. And it was interesting, mm -hmm. I went going through a breakup at that time and it was really difficult. We both both needed to go. We both needed to make the decision to move on because our, really our growth had really finished at that particular point of view and uh, at that particular point in time. And 
and yeah, going in with the intention, it's like, okay, why why are we in our lives together? And actually, zoomed up forty thousand feet, looked at look at the time that we had together, and then while I was in the tank, and then was able to actually see why she came into my life and why I came into her life, and why this is the perfect time for us to to go and, and you know let her let her know that it's okay, it's 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 good, you know, your feelings of wanting to break up is valid because of these reasons. And actually coming to the conclusion of a, a really calm breakup that could have gone otherwise, um, and, and seeing the higher perspective of why we actually were in each other's lives, and and going in with that intention of just like what's up with this relationship, where are we at, is there anything that can be done with this relationship? You know, you can look at that from a creative insight point of view within my own life, and that's probably one of the more profound things that I found. You know, along with lots of other ideas that I got from marketing point of view, is going to need a solve a marketing campaign or I need to work this out and you know then I want to let go of it and then a lot of the a lot of the time you get that uh those insights while you're in there well we've covered a lot of ground today you know we've gone from business plans to creative performance to sports performance to relationships to spirituality I mean it's there's a pretty wide-ranging impact of this line of work that you're in Nick yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting um, aspects there. And I just thought of one interesting story, if you don't mind, I'll quickly just share it. Sure. The, Na- sure. the, Na- the Navy SEALs, so from a learning point of view, uh, the Navy SEALs have float tanks um, built within their facility um, because I've been shared a few stories and I believe some have actually been published now. Um, I'm not sure by who, so I can't quote it, uh, but... The, the Navy SEALs have been using float tanks for a period of time now. Now, the average time for us to learn a new language is around 18 months. So these Navy SEALs get deployed over in all sorts of different countries and they need to be as fluent as they possibly can to do their covert ops uh, when, they're, when, when, they're, when they're down in there. And, and what, what we normally find is, yeah, a person can learn a language fluently within 18 months. And what the Navy SEALs have done through their own processes and their own learning systems, they've brought that down to six months. Now, with the float tanks, they've taken that six-month process down to six weeks by learning a new language within the tank. And what they do is they they hook up the the person floating um, and have, you know, measuring their brain frequencies and their heart rate variability. And when they get to that right brain frequency and heart rate variability within the tank, then they start playing video and audio input related to to the language um, that they're learning, and they brought that down significantly um, with that aspect. And there's a few float tanks around, a few few certain centres around the world um, that actually focus on the learning sides um, of the float tank um, experience. And when you get to that right heart rate variability and, and brain frequency, that really just when you're calm that you can learn a lot better. Well, thank you, Nick, so much. This, is, this has been, a, I mean, I've been floating a long time, but even for me, this has been an eye-opener. And I'm sure for anybody who's, you know, relatively new to floating or hasn't tried it yet, this, is, this would be really helpful to get your perspective on it. So, okay, this is the point of the show where I invite my guest to set a creative challenge to the audience that they can complete in the next five days. So this is going out on a Monday, so by Friday you've got the chance to complete the challenge and win a prize. So, Nick, what is your creative challenge for our listeners? Yeah, so the the challenge that I have for you is to ultimately 
disconnect. So knowing that some of our best ideas come when we're not actually physically doing what we want to do is actually disconnect, do nothing, go for a walk in the park, go sit on the back lawn, go you know, lie in bed, uh, sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing for 30 minutes, not looking at anything, not touching anything, not doing anything, just literally just doing nothing for 30 minutes. Or you can actually, before you go to bed, an hour, an hour before is actually doing exactly the same thing, just doing as little as possible that you can and just being there doing nothing and you'll find it highly challenging. However, some of the benefits that you can get the following day um, can be quite profound if you if you make that as a bit of a routine or just try it out and give Mark the feedback. Excellent. Thanks, Nick. And I know from my own experience that doing nothing is actually the hardest thing in the world because, you know, you find your mind racing and you want to be getting up and about. You notice how fidgety you are and whatever. But if you experience that, that's perfectly normal. And just, just stay with it. If you can do it even for a few minutes a day, it can have a big impact. So keep listening if you want to take part in the challenge. I'll talk about how that works just after the interview. Nick has very kindly donated a prize, which is a wonderful prize for anyone who's in Australia who can get to one of Nick's cities, which is a float in one of Nick's tanks. Uh, which cities have you are you in, Nick, just to remind us? Brisbane, Perth and Melbourne. Okay, Brisbane, Perth or Melbourne. If you can get to one of those places, Nick will give you a float. And uh, so when you leave the comment on the blog, just put that you're in Australia and I'll put you in the special drawer for Nick's float. Sadly, we can't upload a float to the internet. I'm sure uh, maybe technology will get there someday. But for the rest of us, we're also offering the prize of a copy of the classic book by Michael Hutchinson, The Book of Floating, Exploring the Private Sea. This is the book that I read years ago that really goes deep on you know what exactly is floating, what are the benefits, what are some of the theories about how and why it works. So if you're curious about floating, you want to educate yourself, if you're like me, I always like to read the book whenever I do something new, then that's a, a really great book. So we'll be giving away three copies of that. And obviously that applies to anybody. You don't have to be in Australia to get the book. Okay, Nick, where can people go to find you online? Uh, so beyondrest.com.au is uh, the floating website um, where, yeah, if you're within Australia, then that's of use to you. If it's not, then it's not. <laughs> um, however, I've got another blog, freedoer.com, which, uh, yeah, is something that I'm looking to, to revamp. But on there, there's a few interesting stories around um, business activism or, or finding your purpose and being connected to what you're really meant to do, you know, on this planet and ways to, to, to be aligned with that. So if, the, if you're looking for a little bit more advice in that side of things of finding your purpose and what you're trying to do, then there's a little bit of information, especially with my colourful history on there. Okay, great. And also for, for people, anyone who is living outside of Australia, I'm going to put a link up to a website where you can go and search for your local flotation tank. So if you're curious about trying floating, then there's probably a centre near you, uh, maybe closer than you think, particularly if you're in a city. Nick, thank you so much for sharing your time and your hard-won wisdom with us today. I'm, I'm sure other people like me will find it very valuable to listen to. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. In just one moment, I'll tell you how you can take part in this week's creative challenge. But before that, 
I'd like to ask you to do one small thing that will make a really big difference to the show. And that's to pop along to iTunes and press the little purple subscribe button. And if you're really feeling full of enthusiasm for the 21st century creative, maybe you could leave a brief review explaining why you like the show. The reason for this is that it wakes up the little gremlins inside the iTunes store. Because there's so many shows, the gremlins can't be expected to figure out which ones are good and which ones will appeal to this person or that person. Plus, they're gremlins. They don't have your good taste and discernment. So they're relying on you to press the subscribe button, to leave a review or a rating, because that lets them know that this kind of show is the kind of show that appeals to this kind of person. In other words, other people of creativity, good taste and discernment. And the Gremlins will put the show in front of them and more people will discover it, they will benefit and critically, the Gremlins can knock off work early. So please, consider the Gremlins. Press the magic subscribe button. Leave them a review. So, Nick has given you a deceptively simple creative challenge. Doing nothing. How hard can that be? Well, you're about to find out. If you want to take part, here's how the challenge works. Firstly, just to recap Nick's challenge. Take either 30 minutes during one day this week, or 60 minutes before you go to bed, and do nothing. By which we mean... Don't do anything constructive or productive, so no kind of work. Not consuming any kind of entertainment, so no TV, no phone, no internet, no books, etc. No conversation or interaction with other people. Going for a walk is fine, but no exercise more vigorous than this. In other words, just sit or walk or lie and be present to your experience in the moment. Yes, your mind will distract you, you will get fidgety, you will want to go and do something else, but resist the temptation and keep on doing nothing. Once you've completed the challenge, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm/8 and tell us how you got on. If you're in Australia, make sure you let us know this in your comment so we can include you in the special bonus draw for the float session at one of Nick's centres. You have until midnight, United States Pacific, this Friday, 21st July, 2017, to complete the challenge and leave your comment at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash 8. Obviously, if you're listening after that date, the challenge has closed, but we will have more creative challenges in the future, so listen out for those. Once the challenge has finished, I will pick three winners at random from the comments who will receive the prize of The Book of Floating by Michael Hutchinson. As usual, I'll pick the winners at random. I won't be judging the comments because the challenge, like all of the others, is not a competition. There will also be a bonus prize for Australian listeners of a float session at Beyond Rest, so I will draw that separately. Over the weekend, I will send a bonus recording with my feedback on your comments and what we can all learn from the challenge. 
I'll also be sharing reflections and advice from my own experience of doing nothing. As usual, the feedback recording will not be released on iTunes or any of the other podcast syndications. It will only be available via the 21st Century Creative email list. To join the list, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash bonus and enter your email address in the box. Okay, that's it for this week's challenge. You'll also find these instructions in the show notes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash 8. Have a great time doing nothing. I'm really looking forward to seeing how you manage it. And stay tuned for another episode of the 21st Century Creative next Monday. 